Hey everyone, Steve here. Just a quick note to let you know that the episode you're about to listen to was originally streamed live on YouTube a couple of days ago with the aid of a screen recording, screen sharing kind of visual aids. You'll hear me reference some Instagram posts and other articles as you listen to the episode today. So if you want to get any of those visuals, roll on over to YouTube, check out my most recent post. It goes by the same name as the episode here, episode 111. Uh, But it says like live stream, live recording session, no music and no editing. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. And I hope to see some of you over on YouTube as well. All right. Got a few interesting matters to discuss on this episode of the podcast. Um, Recently came across a thread on Reddit that reminded me very much, well, it didn't remind me so much as it absolutely re-immersed me back in the experience and the discussion of uh, an experience I had a few years back now. I want to say it was around... 2008, so a ways back now, uh, with a group called the Landmark Forum. Some of you may be familiar with it. As you can see here, I always give myself notes. Intro, disclaimer, we smoke weed on the show. All right, YouTube, we've already age-restricted the entire channel, so I don't know what more I can do there. Uh, I think we're going to be keeping it to my avatar icon today anyway, not really going on camera. Uh, with the smoking anyhow, but cannabis conspiracies and you since 2017 baked and awake. So yeah, always uh, be aware of that. If you're listening at work, if you're, you know, in mixed company and you don't want the odd cannabis reference to make you look like a scoundrel to those in your immediate surroundings. Keep it in mind. Uh, I was going to say let's discuss stuff stuff about the coming year in terms of social media landscape um, and how we're going to navigate that together, you know, as a a podcast, as people, as a uh, community, as a, you know, two-way interactive community. But I think we'll, we'll leave it for another day, really. I just don't have the energy for it. It's it's a tedious-ass conversation, and it's just it's depressing. Social media and what it's become and what we have to look forward to um, in the wake of, you know, real-time fact-checkers, et cetera, um, warnings and labels being applied to people's posts, even really casual joking posts, memes, and things. It's uh, it's a lot to really try to digest meaningfully for anybody. So I, I don't know if I don't know when we're gonna go after it, but we'll talk about it soon. I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. Before we jump into talking about the landmark forum, I recently uh, appeared on my friend Josh Kincaid's Cannabis Club. Uh, the Chronic Club, excuse me, The Talking Hedge is his podcast, a great cannabis business overview type podcast. Um, Josh has an amazing insight into the industry, a lot of experience in the industry here in the Pacific Northwest and in the larger 
uh, national and international markets and uh, provides great commentary on the state of the more business side of like legal cannabis these days. But we do a like monthly chronic club. It's a newer uh, activity that uh, Josh has been coordinating. I appeared on his podcast a couple weeks back. Got a link in the description for this episode for you uh, for that, or there certainly will be by the time this goes live on YouTube in a little while. And uh, likewise, when it goes out as a podcast episode. Uh, but the Talking Hedge is Josh's podcast. We had a great chat and great conversation about uh, CBD in this case, and we tried a CBD product um, that you can go and check out the episode if you want to know a little bit more about that. But, um, you know, as an adult, uh, lifelong cannabis user, I am definitely a person who today, these days, with the accessibility that CBD is becoming, uh, you know, is becoming, uh, is developing for CBD in concert with THC type products, you know, this is something that's ever more interesting to me and ever more, you know, something to look at for any of us who are looking to improve our health and live a healthier lifestyle and to have a more robust, like fuller relationship with the cannabis plant. I think a lot of us are leaving a lot on the table by not integrating some CBD into our lives for treatment of chronic conditions of different sorts. Uh, we talked a lot about the complexity of the question of how do you know if it's effective or not? How do you know if you're getting your value for your dollar or not? Are we in fact getting our value for our dollar or not? These days with what we are presented in the legal market as CBD products, is it therapeutic doses? Are they affordable? So it was a great conversation. I'm actually recording with Josh and the crew uh, later this morning for another episode of the Cannabis Club. And I'm holding a cool looking like hemp blunt uh, from Blunt Royale here that I believe in. It's like a big twaxed fatty joint. It looks like a two grammer or something like that. It says it's a gram. Um, getting, getting generous in my old age there, Blunt Royale. But anyway, um, you know, a nice little twaxed sprinkled um, hemp wrap. Looks like it's packed pretty nicely with flowers, so that should be a good experience. This should be fun. Uh, so, yeah, check that out, please. Go check out The Talking Hedge. Uh, subscribe to Josh's podcast to get, and, and he go, he puts it out both on podcast format as well as on YouTube. I think I'm providing you guys with the YouTube link. Um, but a great show, and uh, it's a great time getting together with him on the Chronic Club. If you've ever uh, listened to or watched Bubble Man's Hash Church back in the day, uh, not that it's not, you know, Bubble Man's still around doing his thing. So, uh, props to him, shout outs to him. He'll never hear this, <laughs> but, uh, it was kind of our, our, uh, hash church moment there. So for the, uh, for the smoky heads among us who know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. So, so I, I went to this landmark forum seven, eight years ago and it was, uh, or 10, no, 10, 10, 12 years ago, Jesus Christ. And it was a weird experience. It was a, um, what do they bill it as? They bill it as like self-improvement, pop psychology, you know, motivational speaker weekend, you know, come and, and uh, learn some techniques to, you know, empower yourself in your life and career and stuff like that. And I'm not going to rehash it super deeply here today, except to briefly take a peek at this Reddit thread and um, point you guys at it and give you a link to it. And then I'll actually refer you back to 
two episodes I did on this subject about my personal experience with this, because uh, the reason why I bring it up is because the uh, person who posted it made a almost direct connection, not only to Landmark Forum and Scientology, which I had heard before and was aware of, but uh, to the Nexium cult, which many of you should be very familiar with by now. Uh, that's that Keith Ranieri, um, Smallville actress, uh, Allison, whatever her name was, and a couple of, uh, there was an heiress involved in this, like a trust fund heiress from, I want to say, Schweppes or Seagram's family who was mixed up in it. These were the women who were getting, you know, sexually abused by other women under his auspices. They were being subjected to weird uh, rites and rituals, oaths and vows, uh, forced labor and servitude to him, and and even... Uh, some ritual that involved branding uh, of some permutation of Ranieri's initials on their body in some cryptic rune. So all I could say is wow uh, to all of that. And, you know, none of that is totally new to most of the folks who I expect are even remotely listening to this podcast these days. Let's click into that Reddit thread super briefly. So this was posted 10 days ago. The OP has a couple of off-color comments about the, the Landmark Forum volunteer who tried to pressure him to continue to stay involved in the forum after their initial um, introduction. Like uh, he attended a weekend seminar, not unlike the one that I did. So what I'm doing is giving you this proviso as a form of warning that you're going to hear like very casual body shaming sort of tone in a couple of his comments in this in this post. But let's read the initial post and I might scroll down to read one or two other or highlights out of one or two other of the replies to this post, not focusing on his tone deafness uh, socially because the other commenters definitely did that. Uh, and sort of straightened him out on that. So we don't need to take him to task on that right here. Not that worried about it. But here we go. The Landmark Forum is a cult. I recently went to the Landmark Forum course after doing the Landmark Forum introduction. Again, this is like basically the exact thing that I went through. I definitely knew prior to participating in both that I wanted to document and share my experience. However, didn't know where to post. Da-da-da or da-da-da to other subreddits crossed my mind. To begin, I need to be very clear, I did not want to do the course or the introduction, and did not pay for the course. My boss, who holds places in other areas of my life, encouraged, pressured, and advised me to. Uh, this is key to the Landmark Forum approach. It's really deeply entrenched in corporate America and uh, is used internally in a lot of companies. I'm talking like Fortune 500 companies, some of them fuck with this. No joke. Uh, and so uh, managers and managers, managers and CEOs and stuff are frequently the ones who are pushing this in their own internal organizations. It's a big way Landmark gets new enrollment. The Landmark Forum shares their course syllabus, times, and content on their own website. Their, quote, transparency is another step to luring you in. I can confirm that even in 08, I checked out their website before I attended the class after being initially invited to go by my father-in-law. 
Main detail points, three days, 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Okay, read that again. Three days, 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. So you're going from Friday, you got to take like Friday off of work or if you have a job, you know what I mean? Um, you go on all day Friday till 10 p.m. You go home and go to bed. You come back and go right back on Saturday, 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Same thing, Sunday. They say here, this is said to keep the momentum. Breaks every few hours. Next, they ask you to start putting their taught methods into action. And if you return early from break, staff will begin conversations about anything forum related, mainly to ask about the actions you took in your break, during your break. So your break is not a break, as he points out. And these breaks are, you know, 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there. I think you get an hour for lunch in the middle of this all. They tell you to sleep well. Not being well, it not being able to sleep well is something they touched on. It's an excuse. They give you assignments every night that can take a lot of time, especially after a full day. Absolutely the case. So this person's post, you know, goes on quite a bit here. Um, but this is good. He, he gives a really good synopsis of his basic experience. And I really only take a moment to read most of the rest of this for, for the OP. I took notes from the moment our forum leader began speaking. They advised quickly that we would get more from the experience by not taking notes. I disregarded this message. I can confirm they did discourage note taking. They And again, it was couched in terms of not like it was forbidden. Um, they didn't forbid us. They really didn't. But they didn't want us to get caught up in just sitting there writing notes, right? Really, this is a way of protecting their script. They want your phone off too, right? They, they, would, they, would, take their, they would take your phone if they could. <laughs> uh, probably some of them do in some places. So uh, halfway through the day, they asked everyone in the room to promise two things. One being, I will promise not to take notes. In a room of 40 people, seven of which are staff, it was hard not to raise my hand and promise this. The entire weekend used basic psychological concepts. But they've taken these concepts, altered them, and then applied their own language. They will then tell you about the importance of language. Again, explaining psychological theories without telling you their name, the study behind it, etc. Because they're loosely based on real theories, there's truth to some of their teachings. But if you're reading this, you're on the internet. Everything you can learn there, you can learn for free elsewhere. Look up, so this is you know his own um, commentary here, look up personality theories on Khan Academy. We are not a cult, quote unquote. They made a point of saying this, but I think it made themselves appear desperate. Whilst quote, convincing everyone they weren't a cult. A common tactic is asking questions that elicit a yes, which is done over and over. Absolutely. They then let us go home. So they're not a cult, apparently. Most of their workers are volunteers. We have to adopt. Quote, you disagree, come out to the front. As said before, most questions will make everyone say yes. If you disagree, you're encouraged to, but it means you have to come to the front and argue your point. Fair enough. However, you have to use their language. Otherwise, they use your language against you. So yeah, they give you these talking points, like these things that you would say, I can't, or I shouldn't, or I'm unable to, you know, these type of terms are, these are rackets, they're excuses. So you have to find ways to new age babble your way through, like psycho babble your way through any given problem or challenge that, you know, you're dealing with in your life or personality trait that you're not that pumped on, uh, that hasn't served you that well. And that's the way by which they're, you know, reprogramming your brain, right? If you're not allowed to use these negative terms and you acknowledge that they are 
as Landmark calls them, rackets, then you have no choice but to uh, begin to see those things for what they are and, you know, develop past them, right? Somehow on your way to going clear. <laughs> Continuing, our forum leader repeated this over and over. We don't give answers. It's a conversation which is about engagement. They want you to discover the answers for yourself, but only if you use their language, agree with them, and do everything they tell you. He has here in bold, you should call your dad, quote. This is subjective. They encourage you to reach out to everyone in your life that you are not, quote, complete with. One staff member, member interrupted my break by starting a conversation about calling my father. She was giving me life advice. Here's the um, spoiler alert. Here comes the body shaming stuff. Uh, I remembered her name, quote, or in parentheses, let's pretend it's Becky. I looked her up on Facebook when I returned home. Okay. Stalker much? Yeah. Anyway, I was being told life advice by someone who is overweight, single, volunteers for a cult, and whose only job is working for the MLM scam Sensi, multi-level marketing scam Sensi. I think it's, uh, you know, fragrances. Obviously, this point makes me seem like a horrible person. A little. Being told for three days that I'm living on the sidelines, not in the arena, quote unquote, by people who in my eyes, all caps, are living on the si in the sidelines frustrated me. I wanted to make this point to emphasize how much they preach for authenticity and to basically take life by the balls. However, was Becky taking life by the balls by eating more than her calorie output? Again, went back for it. <laughs> Remaining single and loving her MLM job. Then you go, Becky. I'm proud of you. Or was Becky simply lacking the courage to improve her life in many areas and clung onto the first community that accepted her? The entire course preaches about living your authentic life, being authentic, and having integrity. If your authentic self doesn't align with their wants, values, and goals, then you're not living your authentic life. Everything they do is about pressuring you to spend more money, do more courses, do more, more, and more. They know their demographic are people searching for answers, searching for guidance, and self-help. Uh, so really good overall synopsis minus that one ad hominem attack against the pseudonymous Becky here. But that's a really good snapshot of what goes on in Landmark. A couple of the comments right under this that really kind of hooked me and got me remembering back to the Landmark episodes I did in the first place. The fact that I even see this post on Reddit at all is because I'm part of the r slash cults subreddit, which I joined way back when I did do the research on this episode, which I think I put it out in 2018. This episode, uh, this two-part episode was in 2018, but the... Uh, Double Life 2020 here says right under it, um, Ugh, Nexium basically stole Landmark's playbook and made it their own. So many similarities. And then below that, someone uh, rejoins, and Landmark hijacked the less weirder parts of Scientology. And then, you know, somebody, a couple other people are agreeing with that vibe. People then go on to relate some horrible experiences they personally had in Landmark. I relate my own story about what I went through in it in the episode. So if this is of any interest to you at all and you want to hear my story about it, go back and check those episodes out. They are on YouTube. They'll be in the show description here and um, and they're in your in your podcast back history uh, for Baked and Awake. You just you need to scroll for a while, right? Because we've got a lot of shows. So um, but look for them in 2018. Yeah, somebody here. Joel, Douglas, Ollie, Douglas Seely, Douglas Seely, Joel Douglas Seely, 
Anybody else have to describe being molested as a child in front of 300 strangers while sleep deprived, cold and hungry? Were told that they enjoyed part of it? Were made to admit it? Then have to commit to going and calling their abusers on break and apologize for being disgusting to them all these years after them repeatedly molesting me as a child is completely normal? Or was that just my experience? Uh, so that story was shocking. Now here we have another one. I saw a woman then bully a woman who was raped by her father into calling him to apologize. Somebody else here. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is Joel Douglas elaborating on his experience. There's a couple others in here that are, yeah, really similar. Um, so I think at the time that I put these episodes out, I, I entitled them assholes part one and assholes part two. And then my, my sub title on each was like the landmark forum is quote, probably not a cult. In the two years since I made that podcast, I've come to believe it's more of a cult than I was willing to characterize it at, at the time. The episodes I did on this part one and part two, I feel are some of my best actual closest thing to a journalistic work at all uh, of any kind here, you know, on Baked and Awake, uh, because it's not a conspiracy. It's personal experience in a friend of mine from Instagram who still follows me to this day and who we're both active in, you know, tracking each other on social caught wind of me doing the episode back when I was working on it and told me you know, like DM'd me at the time. He's like, bro, I'm going, I'm going like this weekend to landmark, da, da, da. And I was like, can you, will you, you know, share your thoughts? Will you share your experiences? Not only did he agree to do so, he did so and recorded two really great audio clips for me of his own state of mind after going through the experience absolutely fantastic uh, experience, great independent, you know, like third party uh, sort of corroboration. And, you know, just like that extra color of another point of view being added to that podcast. And the conversation, I feel is an important one that of the the cultish nature of groups such as this. Please, I hope you guys find it as fascinating as I do and want to check it out. The, the thread has a lot of replies to it. I'm linking to the thread here in the show notes for you as well. I've got a detailed comment in there myself. Yeah. Uh, somebody here, uh, petite pantoufles. Yeah. Petite pantoufles. I hope I did that some justice commented here. They're actually a 21st century spinoff of a culty 70s group known as EST. That's Earhart Seminars Training. I go into that in some detail in my background on the Landmark Forum in my own episodes, so I won't, you know, read this whole comment here. Uh, suffice to say, it doesn't get a lot weirder than this. Uh, if you've got personal experience with Landmark, I would love for you to comment on this uh, video and tell me what you know, what you went through to the extent that you're comfortable. 
if there's enough interest in re-exploring this in detail, and especially if I have anybody who wants to, you know, help come to the conversation with their own personal experience, especially if you did the advanced courses, which are like the next level after you go through a three-day weekend with the with the introduction program to Landmark, that would be big. That would be really big. Uh, I, I don't think I've really talked to anybody who's gone through the advanced courses and is willing to talk about it. So there you go. Landmark form is probably a cult. Okay. That's, that's what's up. So there's the link to the landmark forum is a cult thread. There's my assholes part one and assholes part two links. Uh, in addition on that Reddit thread, someone uh, linked us to this, which is a archive.org re-upload, like preserved upload of a French documentary called Voyage de Nouveau, Guru, Guru. Uh, and it is all about Landmark, and I believe it was taken down due to litigation by Landmark. So not unlike Scientology and other groups who seek to protect their public persona, Landmark has had some success in squelching negative online commentary about them, especially stuff on broadcast television. So um, I admit I've yet to watch this. I've got it like open, queued up, and the first few seconds of it were played and paused in in a separate window of mine. Um, and and yeah, I actually just had like a sense of a light sense of foreboding getting ready to watch it that I was just like, oh, do I want to do this right now or what? So um, I'm going to watch it. Uh, but I haven't yet. I, I am interested to see what the French point of view was on this and how they were operating there. It looks like it was done in like the 80s or 90s, this production. I, I'd say probably the 90s. So, yeah. So we're going to look at something else here in just a second, too. But let me get my helper tabs over here. Let's go back to our notes. Let's close that tab that we're done with. Uh, yeah, if you guys don't know it, I get a lot of my news from Reddit. I get a lot of my news from right over here on Slashdot. Um, those are probably my two favorite ways of letting news bubble to me in a way that feels less like weirdly curated. I don't know. Um, I'm sure that's an absolute delusion on my part. And yeah, help me if you can. I'm always doing my best, but that's what I've got to work with. Yeah, that was Reddit. Now we're going over here to Slashdot real quick. Uh, and I'm going to back up from this story itself to go back to the search function on Slashdot here. And I'm literally just going to search the term deepfake and see what we get. Boy, she's chugging. There we go. 502, bad gateway. That's not, there's no bad gateway. There's no bad gateway. All right, let's just go back to top level. Let's kill that tab. That tab is struggling. Let's come back. Slash dot, you coming up or are you under DDoS right now? You're going to fail me right in the middle of my recording. Okay. Yep. We are having trouble. Whoa. Guys. How's Slashdot going to crap out on me right when I need it most? That's like 
my whole next my whole next jam is about deep fakes. We were gonna look on Slashdot and look at all these stories about deep fakes because there are a lot. Uh, I posted a couple posts to Instagram this week about deep fakes. Uh, I showed a clip of a video with a fella. Let's see here. I guess I could probably show you my Instagram posts. I wonder how that I wonder how that works terms of YouTube, am I going to be okay or not re-uploading my own stuff from Instagram if my Instagram stuff isn't really mine? I don't know. Oh, I hate Instagram on the computer. It doesn't work right. Uh, trying to get this guy's audio to work, but he's telling us that that's not his real face, right? Or that that wasn't a real marker, that that wasn't a real background. And that that wasn't his real face. So he's, you know, he's got fake glasses, fake face, fake marker, fake background, another fake face. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, this is, this is really simple deep fake tech. There's nothing to this really. I mean, he might be using some good software, but there's even really cheap crap out there that will deep fake you rather well um like not <laughs> not one image one selfie can get you results like this in a three second clip let's say you have you know a folio of a hundred images of a person from different angles okay from above from profile from below etc um and really fed that into a piece of software that had some horsepower behind it. Um, how closely do you suppose, you know, those people could be mapped onto characters? This is the Reface app that I'm using. Knowingly, knowing that this app is like harvesting my data and my images and doing God knows what with it. I'm pretty sure the Reface app was a Russian company that, uh, People were all up in arms over. I can't get the the audio just doesn't work on PC for me on Instagram. It's probably better, frankly. So like if you're watching this, we're looking at Zuckerberg testifying before Congress like earlier this week. Right. And the guy in this video, follow me on Instagram, Baked and Awake. You can see and listen to these posts there uh, and get the full audio. You can comment there. I'm just as active on Instagram as I am here on YouTube, but he's pointing out that Zuckerberg's entire forehead is fucking pulsating. It is twitching up here right above his eye. There it goes. Freckles moving, freckles moving. The freckles fade in and fade out of clarity as well. They literally disappear. Okay. Now let's pretend we're sane for a moment here and that this isn't a completely fake robotic Zuckerberg Borg being projected in from another dimension, uh, nor is this a fully artificial, completely made up fake human sitting there. Look at look at the look at the edges around his face. Okay, as I'm looking at this in in a, on a larger display, look at the silhouette around him. Either they're using a virtual backdrop behind him or some other kind of green screen tech I, I i'm guessing because look at the way the lighting is around his head he's locked in this reminds me a lot of when my wife's playing around with snapchat filters right 
So this is what I was going to say. Pretend we're sane right now and not conspiracy theorists. Maybe he's using a Snapchat filter to look healthier, you know, look, um, you know, alert and have glossy skin or some shit. Maybe. Maybe that's what we're looking at here. I don't know. I love this clip, though. My point here and what my caption says on the on the side here is, what did I tell you the other day about undisclosed deepfakes making their way into the wild? So this is what I'm saying. Whether it's a Snapchat filter or not, it's a deepfake that is being presented with no commentary or warning to us. Whether you want to call it a deepfake or not, if it's just a filter that's just supposed to be helping his appearance in some light way, which again, there's no public admission of anything unusual having happened there. I feel like that's the kind of thing that's, you know, not just a slippery slope. It's a slippery fucking slope to some really egregious abuses of this technology. And I'm going to try to find one story that I was going to get right here on Slashdot for us. But our bad gateway blocked us. That's fine. You can't stop us. We got the rest of the internet. I'm going to find one story about India and their recent elections and someone intentionally using a deep fake of an entire video of them speaking a language that they don't actually speak to appeal to the Hindi speaking population in their part of the country to win their election. So here's another post that I put out on Instagram. You guys are getting this content instead of the slash dot list of stories that I was going to show you, which is basically a list of like 20 different notable, interesting, scary stories about deep fakes that have been posted to slash dot in the last 12 months alone. Uh, this post, however, my uh, younger niece sent over to me after she saw some of my first posts about this. And uh, I love that uh, that young lady pays such great attention to her kooky old uncle that she would bother to take the time out of her day to send me this, which was uh, a great post she found from a account called learn.machinelearning. So these guys are about that deep learning AI tech type stuff and tracking on it and talking about it on their Instagram feed. Um, here is a list of deep fake examples just to take them at like hyperspeed Obama calls. And these, every one of these is known deep fakes. They were presented as deep fakes. None of these were really, uh, uh, see, actually halfway down this list, we're about to see that they're, they're, they're <laughs> again, what's the watchword? Undisclosed deep fakes. Okay. Let's read the list. Deep fake examples. Barack Obama called Donald Trump a complete dipshit. Okay. Mark Zuckerberg bragged about having total control of billions of people's stolen data. Jon Snow's moving apology for the dismal ending to Game of Thrones. I heard about this one when it went out. I didn't see it. I'm not a Game of Thrones guy, so I didn't end up watching that one. But I saw some other people posting like little light comments about that. Princess Leia remastered again. I believe they used deepfake tech on uh, for Carrie Fisher's face for parts of the last movie appearance of hers, right? Just to finish the movie because she died during production, right? So they already used it in a practical application in a major Hollywood movie, right? Uh, Donald Trump joins Breaking Bad. Nancy Pelosi slowed down. This was real. This was done and aired on, I want to say, Fox. And they slowed her down to make her sound like she had suffered a stroke or some shit. You know, slurred speech and everything. And they just presented it as if it was completely normal. So... That's a little bit more subtle than a full-blown deepfake of her. I don't know if they also use deepfake tech to make her look a little messed up at the same time. Uh, that would be a good clip to try to find. I think it's been 
mostly squelched. Donald Trump lectures Belgium. Deep fake porn. This is where it all started. You go back in the stacks to my earlier episodes about deep fakes, and that's where this began. On 4chan, some crazy fucker with an open source program that made it available to several people really started this. I think it was like Daisy Ridley and a couple of other people were early victims of this in deep fake adult settings. So style GAN generating human faces, which are hard to detect which ones are real and which ones are fake. True. Gabon's president shows prompts questions. I don't know what that means. Many, many examples which terrified and amused the internet. How does it work? One way is to use encoder and decoder model. Another way is to make deep fakes. Uses what's called a generative adversarial network or GAN. We can use the latest models like GPT-3 or previous versions of it to create fake text. This is actually another story on Slashdot that talks about how the scariest deep fakes of all are not human faces and that type of content, uh, but AI-generated text, which would be indistinguishable from journalistic-level writing, maybe even academic-level writing. You just have to think about that for a little while quietly. Turn that over in your head and think about what it would mean if you were consuming news reports from sources ostensibly from a human journalist, but that in fact, some of which could be, if not now, in the very near future, being partially or entirely generated by artificial intelligence machines of some kind. We can use voice cloning technology to create fake audios of celebrities. So you, you, you layer these texts together get a deep fake face modeled to a sufficient level of sophistication and you use a voice clone technology again of a sufficient degree of refinement and especially for short interactions short clips you are going to find that these are increasingly difficult to spot we can still spot them for the most part and whether you can catch it as a human with your naked eye and casual viewing mindset or whether it takes an expert who's also skeptical and who's been tipped off that, hey, this video is suspicious. Let's look at it. I don't know. I think right now, most of us, you know, like those examples I showed you, they look really good, but they're also, they can be found out. They're also evidently not perfect, right? They're really close, but they're not perfect. Well, that Zuckerberg one was pretty gosh darn good. And apparently, you know, he was sitting there for a couple hours talking to people. So this is the this is the threat, in my opinion, is we already live in a post-truth society. We live in a post-facts society. We're soon to be able to trust even less of what is being presented to us on our sacred glowing rectangles. Says here how to detect deep fakes. One, poor quality deep fakes are easier to spot. Simple techniques like images or videos which are blurry, different skin tone, double eyebrows, double chin, spatial inconsistency, flickering, shimmering, unmatched borders, teeth, obscured object, glare and reflection, eyeglass, lazy eye, face shaped and aspect, badly rendered objects, etc. Go back and watch that Zuckerberg clip on my Instagram and look for these types of anomalies in the image of Zuckerberg there and tell me we're not looking at 
some sort of tech being applied to his face there. Is Do we call it a snap filter or do we call it what it is, a version of deep faking? How to detect deep fakes too. Other techniques like investigating the source of the video, take a screenshot and perform a reverse image search. Big MNCs are actively funding the researches, universities to create algorithms which can detect deep fakes. You can find more techniques at Deep Fake Detection Challenge. What's the solution? Of course, the solution is more AI, right? Artificial intelligence already helps spot fake videos, but many existing detection systems have a serious weakness. Another strategy focuses on the provenance of the media. Digital watermarks are not foolproof, but a blockchain online ledger system could hold a tamper-proof record of videos, pictures, and audio, so their origins and any manipulations can always be checked. You know, it's a little bit beyond most of us, right? So that, did I get to the, yeah. So are deepfakes always malicious? Not at all. Many are entertaining and some are helpful. Voice cloning deepfakes can restore people's voices when they lose them to disease. Deepfake videos can enliven galleries and museums. Oh, sure. So we can have fake Abraham Lincolns talking to us from the fucking podium at the museum. Yay. For the entertainment industry, technology can be used to improve the dubbing on foreign language films and more controversially resurrect dead actors. So again, improve the dubbing on foreign language films. That's exactly what I just said is the case in the case of, let's see. Um, let's see. We can just find it, right? Here's, here's some real searching happen foreign uses deep fake video. Let's see what we get. There we go. Um, first, Listing, let's go to one below that too. Well, technologyreview.com or theverge.com. What do you guys say? Which one do you want? Which one do you want? Which one do you want? I think we're going to go to technologyreview.com. <laughs> An Indian politician is using deepfake technology to win new voters. Uh, this is posted February 19th of this year, so this isn't news. MIT Technology Review, the news, a deepfake of the president of India's ruling Bharatiya Janata Party. BJP, Manoj Tiwari, went viral on WhatsApp in the country earlier this month, the head of legislative, legislative assembly sessions in Delhi, according to Vice. What did he do? The purpose. The BJP has partnered with political, political communications firm, the Ideas Factory, to create deep fakes that let it target voters across over 20 different languages used in India. Okay. Damn. India. What the hell? You guys, 20 languages? Wow. Uh, the party told Vice that the Tiwari deepfake reached approximately 15 million people in 5,800 WhatsApp groups. So this was, I, I believe it was, you know, disclosed to these people. This was entirely for the purpose of enhancing communication. They dubbed the real politician's face over perhaps someone else speaking his prepared text in these different languages. Maybe they used voice cloning too, so that it sounded like the actual candidate. They tell us here that it isn't even the first time they've done it. Uh, this isn't the first time deep fakes have popped up during a political campaign. For example, last December, researchers made a fake video of the two candidates in the UK's general election endorsing each other. That's wild. It wasn't supposed to sway the vote, however, merely to raise awareness about deepfake technology. This case in India seems to be the first time deepfakes have been used for a political campaign. Big risk, here we go, the big risk, is that we reach a point where people can no longer trust what they see or hear. In that scenario, a video wouldn't even need to be digital 
completely altered for people to denounce it as fake. Thank you, person who wrote this back in February for making my exact same point, just supporting my point. This is, it was beautiful. I couldn't have scripted that. I just, they just said what I just said. Listen to what we are saying. It is not just me saying these things. <laughs> in that scenario, wouldn't even need to be digitally altered for people to denounce it as fake. It's not hard to imagine the corrosive impact that would have on an already fragile political landscape. Uh, I will grab this link to this story right now. We'll drop it into our notes so that you guys get that when this comes out. And uh, you have a little bit more, you know, context on this deep fakes matter. I'm tracking this technology. I'm, I'm not sitting here like freaking out, scared about it. Okay. I doubt anybody's going to use it to personally destroy my life directly, specifically, exclusively. I'm a lot more concerned that many somebodies will use it to affect many other somebodies' lives for their own reasons. And whenever it's for their own reasons and they're undisclosed to the rest of us, then I, I think those are sort of ulterior motives and therefore a little bit of a dark purpose, right? In a sense, you know, that's manipulation. That's that manufacturing consent. That's that social engineering that I'm always talking about on the podcast. Yeah, several posts on Instagram. You saw most of them just now, but go check them out in more detail. Listen to the audio on them. Comment there. Comment on YouTube. Tell me if uh, you've been paying attention to deep fakes as well and how you feel about that. Uh, tell me if there's anybody else talking about the Zuckerberg deep fake from the other day. Absolutely. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about, I want to show you something that I don't even really know how to show you guys. It's so wacky. We're going to talk about the craziest thing I've found on YouTube in years. And this is where it's, it, this is where it's going to be interesting. So I just don't know how to share this guy's stuff. Like every YouTuber knows that there's the YouTube terms of service. If you read them very carefully, it's actually the case that YouTube gives everybody permission to reuse each other's content to a great extent. Although that's in writing, you know, once you've uploaded something to YouTube, it's on YouTube and it's free to be, you know, pulled down and re-edited and re-uploaded by other YouTubers, including YouTube. People do get upset about it with each other, right? They feel like people are taking their content, etc. And so what I'm going to do is introduce this channel to you, introduce his theory to you, show you his channel. And then I'm going to kind of turn you loose on it yourselves, okay? Because I kind of want, I need some other eyes on this. Uh, I need some other ears on this. And yeah, I don't think, I don't think I can even tell you this story remotely as well as the channel can themselves. And um, in particular, I will 
Well, let's let's go there, right? Let's go there. Are you guys smoking weed? I hope so. I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking pack a bowl here. I haven't haven't even spoken. I'm too busy working for you guys, <laughs> right? Uh, let's take this over here. Let's take this guy over here. Drop it in. That's my YouTube channel. If you haven't been there, podcasters. All right. If you're listening on YouTube, you already know where we are. Podcast listeners, though. There's a lot of extra stuff on the Baked and Awake YouTube channel. So I'm always encouraging you to go there and, and sub to me there. Uh, please, please do. So the name of this channel is an American Scheme. Okay. I, I subbed. I hit the bell for homie. Okay. Uh, he's a little bigger than me. He gets more views than me from what I can tell a little bit more views than me overall. Um, so, uh, and he's been at this for a couple years, uh, for sure already. What's his deal? Well, uh, what's his about page say? An American scheme, 2.4 K subscribers. I know for a fact that Diana Ross got pregnant at age 14 by Smokey Robinson. Barry Gordy said, you have to get rid of that kid if we're going to work together. So Barry came up with the plan to send the baby to an old friend of, the, of his, Joe Jackson. Diana and Smokey gave their baby, baby Michael to the Jacksons so they could be stars. But then they came back into MJ's life and also made him and the Jacksons famous. But this is where MJ's life is turned upside down, and MJ is left without a real family. This is how and why MJ becomes Peter Pan. I have the one and only true and final story about Michael Jackson. Please try and understand the truth and what it really means. So I'm really glad I read his description again because it's really important to give you the proper context for my fascination with the channel. Uh, in order for me to even, you know, hope that anybody's going to check it out themselves and uh, do so with an open mind. Um, so you've been listening to me for a while. You know, I'm in my 40s, so I grew up in the 80s when Michael Jackson was at his absolute peak. When I was a kid in the 70s, the Jackson 5 was, you know, a top boy band, kids group of the time, you know. They were there, you know, they were the new kids on the block of their era, the the sync, right? Um, who was it today? One Direction, right? <laughs> um, so Michael Jackson was like, he was like Drake and Kendrick Lamar and Bruno Mars all rolled into one. Like he wasn't a rapper. He wasn't a hip hop artist. What I mean is I was, I guess I was trying to equate the scale of Michael Jackson's stardom in his era to like, if you took Drake and if you took Kanye and if you took somebody like, you know, whoever the biggest name, the biggest, you know, personalities in, in entertainment today. And they're still talking about Michael Jackson today. Like he was, you know, another worldly being. So, so when this guy tells a guy like me of my particular age that he's got a theory about Michael Jackson and Diana Ross, 
and then goes on to do many videos about this. Okay, um, let's click over to his videos tab. You're going to pause and listen. You're going to check it out. So, you know, have I watched every single one of his videos? Absolutely not. In fact, these devolved and, and see, look at I'm going down a big old wall of videos here, right? These devolved at a certain point into some weirdness that I still haven't fully parsed. I mean, I'm still going down here, right? Great thumbnails on a lot of these, but you don't always get um, big clips. I would definitely recommend that you approach this channel in a specific way, probably the way I have, which is you go back to the beginning. Michael Jackson is Obi-Wan Kenobi, part one, part two. Look at his great thumbnail on these. Wow, those are those are absolutely awesome. Um, you know, Diana Ross and Michael Jackson, same eyes. So here's what's up. All right, here's what's really up. His description was great. His about me tab was great, right? That told us what he's what his theory is. His videos, as you can see, do mostly seem to be on topic, right? Okay, so this is another good sign. You know, at least if you want to go down a rabbit hole, right? Um, this person has spent their time on it. Um, well, they did a good job on every single one of these are not to be determined, right? You can you can look at these yourselves and tell me. Um, I know you're not seeing a lot of red bars on a lot of these yet, but when we get down to the earlier posts of his, look at how many of these are, you guys. Like, I have like 150 uploads on my YouTube channel. This guy's got to have two or three times that. Okay, here we go. See? So come back to this era right down here. You see where I've got them all? I've watched them all here. All right. Full bars. All right. I gave this guy all my love. All right. By the way, if you guys are watching this on YouTube and you are still with me after my uh, run downstairs to grab coffee and, and hit the old boys room for a quick second there. Um, the longer you watch any of our videos, oh my God, that helps so much. Um, I'm, I'm 1,107 hours away from qualifying for the, the hours watched threshold for a YouTube channel. Um, which in concert is looked at with my subscriber count to eventually decide if they want to monetize me or not. Um, I'm not that worried about it. I understand even the biggest channels on YouTube, the monetized channels, most of them make most of their money elsewhere. And YouTube monetization is borderline throwaway because of how poor it is. But um, obviously there's some cachet that goes along with being ostensibly monetized, right? There's just some you know, perceived internet clout with that. So um, yeah, long story short, watch people's videos all the way through if you really like them. Um, even if you, literally, if you need to mute them in a separate tab and work in, in another part of your computer and let somebody's video play, my video, for example, <laughs> uh, you can really help us a lot, all right? I can't game the system by doing that for myself at home. YouTube knows my IP addresses. They don't count my own views. So um I can't set a server up in my corner uh, to record, you know, views on my on my content. Um, so this fella, let's go all the way back to story number one. Let's see if I can just let you hear like him introduce himself um, and then we'll go from there. I will sell this house today. <laughs> Hi, I'm John. This is my show, An American Scheme. The show is basically going to be about my belief that Michael Jackson is actually the son of Diana Ross and Smokey Robinson. 
I believe that Barry Gordy is the one that orchestrated the cover-up from the very beginning with his old boxing buddy, Joe Jackson. I'm going to stop him right there because that's like a 38-second sample. Should be okay because we're talking about it while we're looking at it. Okay. Um, these first vlog-style entries are probably where he lays out almost all of his theory the most coherently. Then you see I stuck with him, looked at some other clips of some other videos, watched him, you know, through quite a bit. See, there's quite a few more here that I have watched in addition. Okay. Um, but after the initial, you know, this stuff, although it's uh, got bad thumbnails, he does intersperse some imagery in here and stuff and some video clips with what he's talking about and his talking points. The theory's interesting. Michael Jackson and Diana Ross were closely connected in terms of as celebrity friends are concerned, right? Um, and uh, this fellow has found some fairly interesting and compelling little clips of her literally referring to him as things like my baby or my son um, on television, like in public, you know, in, you know, whether it's Donahue show or at some, uh, you know, red carpet event, uh, you know, things that aren't incontrovertible or irrefutable or couldn't have been taken out of context, but, uh, you know, anybody who remembers Michael Jackson knows there was a recent documentary about him that kind of reintroduced his story to the whole world. Uh, what was it? Finding Neverland, right? Um, I need to watch that. I frankly would like to watch that. Um, you know, this guy died under weird circumstances. His, there was conspiracies surrounding his death. There were conspiracies surrounding him during his life and where his kids came from and where his marriage is a sham. Uh, was he, you know, involved with uh, children in totally inappropriate ways? Hence the Neverland documentary, right? Um, you know, a lot of the world thinks Michael Jackson was a pedophile. Uh, this guy goes back and forth between defending Michael's honor and in other ways at times, like totally attacking him. Um, that my Michael Jackson story, number one, the introduction clip. Please, God, watch that one if you watch no other. And uh, if that doesn't hook you, I don't know what will. Um, and then as you get further in, you're going to see he gets more and more animated. He gets fired up. He's He does conjecture a lot, right? Uh, which we all do as conspiracy theorists, as, you know, fringe topic researchers. Where I think our friend John goes wrong is he does get animated in his videos. He does address um, comments that he's received on his videos in the comments section. And he does address quite frequently um, reactions to his content that have come from other YouTube creators, um, most of whom are, you know, specifically, I guess, uh, other Jackson, Michael Jackson, like fan type accounts, uh, Michael Trapson being one, I think he's a Michael Jackson impersonator and, and, uh, you know, performer. Here's another clip thumbnail featuring Trapson. This, uh, kid here, I think is River Gibbs. That's another big Michael Jackson fan community kid 
personality. Um, so the, the problem here is that our boy John has an interesting theory that does have some holes in it and relies on a lot of what can be said to be circumstantial evidence and a, a marked lack of like heavy documentation. Um, but dang it, if he doesn't get you in the first half with his theory, the problem comes when anybody questions him, he comes back at them guns blazing and with some like hilarious shit in the comments. Now, a lot of his videos got nothing on him, right? Look, there's no comment, one comment and it's like hidden, I think. Um, let's see if we can, can we see this one? You aren't, you're just fucking porn. So uh, Rocket Gaming HD, really great with the coherent comment there. Let's see if we can find any comment interaction with homie and his audience. Let's go like six, part three. Let's look on part three. Does he have comments Hi, on this one? No. Nope. Okay, let's go back. One of these has a bunch on Hi, it. Oh, yeah. I'm John. And this is my show, An American Scheme. This is going to be okay. episode seven. I'm going to be talking about Michael Jackson's first two children. Prince and Paris. Are you a Gemini? No, I'm a gangster. LOL. Hey, sorry, John. I'm talking about your comments right now. We can't listen to your voice. Uh, no, I'm a gangster. LOL. Takes one to no one. Um, so it, uh, more frequently, John is found to uh, say things. In, okay, this is one that's absolutely crazy. Hi, I'm John. This is my show, An American Scheme, where I am proving that Diana Ross is Michael Jackson's actual mother. John then proceeds to wear that hat unironically in that orientation on his head for the next 14 minutes and 39 seconds while he gets increasingly fired up about his subject matter and his detractors. Let's drop down to the comments really briefly. He listens to Michael Jackson conspiracy theories and not the truth, exclamation part, points many. Boo. Reply, I'm mostly most likely true, da-da-da-da-da. Let's see here. Okay, this is not even street knowledge. It's just pure ignorance, and Michael explained what Billie Jean was about in an interview. Duh. An American scheme, like MJ ever told the real truth, LOL. Let's see. That wasn't too bad. Let's see. See, this, if, if this was all he did in terms of replying to comments, he would be absolutely fine. Okay, somebody's like, you know, this or that. They, I think they initially replied in, in, uh, interesting. And then somebody gives a deeper Billie Jean synopsis, right? But what did he say down here? He's like, my explanation gets better later. Street knowledge. Hmm. MJ did not know his Diana was his mother until MJ was 10. MJ is just what MJ would say about girls for the public. Okay, so these are like some of the last coherent replies. This guy, okay, there's more. Here we go. Let's see. Where is he? It's true. Eat it. Right? So that's somebody, somebody like, you know, I don't, I don't like your theory. It's true. Eat it. When you really hear the words of Billie Jean, it's there. Um, let's see. You just stated an opinion and called it a fact, loser. That's how stupid you are. And now we're starting to get a little bit of the, you know, the vibe. I mean, he's under attack. He's feeling defensive. I get it. No, you just stupid. LOL. That's American scheme again. Um, well, if you know Dan Ross, da, 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 no, no, that's what is it then? Um, so 
He, um, OMG, you think a real artist would ever explain his art to you, stupid fans? Get a clue, loser. Exclamation point, exclamation point. But you are a perfect loser to Stanley. I'm talking about MG. MJ. Keep calling you a loser because all you do is attack me because you're a loser. Talk about MJ. So this fella is wild in the comments. And I mean wild. This is nothing. This is nothing, guys. Uh, <laughs> um, and then he you know, goes in on these people, uh, both from the comments and from these other channels in his videos. So one of his biggest detractors is another Michael Jackson fan account. Uh, I think it's called Matt's FTR. And he points out in a couple of his reaction videos to our, our buddy John here that, you know, if John just would have presented his case and then been open to the constructive criticism that was already being offered in his comments from people that were somewhat taking him seriously, uh, that he might get somewhere with people, that people might interact with him, you know, in ways that are more favorable to him. He's, he's having trouble interacting with the rest of the community and he's having trouble getting his theory across as anything other than, you know, his sort of, wild speculations let's he goes he goes 1439 long on this right all right so here's you know i'm really probably putting a mark on my own target on my own back here with with american scheme but really i was first interested in his channel because i i don't know what youtube algorithm bubbled up his first like intro video but it, they showed me they served me up number one and i watched that and he wasn't mad at anybody yet. So he was just telling his story. And I was like, I put my shit down. I texted my mother. I was like, mom, what do you think about this one? <laughs> you know, all the way down in Nevada, right? Um, I loved it. Okay. So an American scheme, if you ever see this and if you're tripping or thinking about tripping, Bro, I mean, we could talk about the hat all day long. Not, I don't even, you know, I don't know where to begin on that. <laughs> Luckily, I think we only see the hat the one time in all his videos. Uh, he cut a lot of flack for it in the comments. But um, I really liked your theory initially, okay? I just don't know how to deal with a guy who wigs on everybody in his comments and and then does these reaction videos to other people's channels and gets and gets super irate with them for like critiquing your theory. I really, I kind of think he's got something here. If only he could steer clear of like the self-sabotage aspect. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, let's see how he ended this video and we'll pretty much wrap it there, right? For this live stream. And I'll hope that YouTube doesn't take this down. Let's give another like 30 seconds of him right at the end here. Get ready. Diana Ross, are you Michael Jackson's mother? This fucking crazy wacko on the internet is saying he can prove that he that he knows for sure. He says, you guys got nothing. I am fully on willing to slander the shit out of Barry Gordy, Joe Jackson, Catherine Jackson, Smokey Robinson, Diana Ross. Fuck all of you motherfuckers. I know exactly what the fuck has happened. I'm here now. This fucking shit is coming out. Fuck all of you. Ladies and gentlemen, an American scheme. Like I said, I think it's fascinating. Everything about it is fascinating. The theory is fascinating. The guy is fascinating. His beef with other YouTubers 
absolutely fascinating. It's a complete, complete shit show. I can't get enough of it. I am going back in. I am going back in and watching more of this guy's videos. Don't think I'm not for a moment. He he put something out like yesterday. Okay. He's he's current. This guy is active right now, you guys. Uh, what I don't need my audience to do, I love you all. And if you made it this far into the uh, broadcast, I know that you guys are my real audience. Let's not go brigading his comments and being like, oh, yeah, Bacon Awake sent me. You're just as much of a kook as he said. You know, nothing of that sort. If anything, you know, go in, do what I did, watch the content, start at the beginning. Read the comment sections on his videos when you see comments underneath. Show the guy some love, sub to his channel, listen to his videos, let him play all the way through. They're weird as fuck. I guarantee you this is some of the weirdest shit you've seen in a while. And, and then, like, again, don't just bomb his comments with critical stuff because he doesn't he doesn't seem that well equipped to deal with it frankly um and it probably is causing him a lot of personal anxiety in his life when he does get that kind of feedback and are you really going to help him that much probably not right let's be real so i'm saying watch it and enjoy it for what it is feel free to comment on his stuff if you want to but maybe try to keep it couched in some kind of terms where once you get a once you get a vibe for how he replies to different comments and what type of comments he likes and what kind of comments he doesn't like maybe you can game that system a little bit and get some nuggets from him right that's entirely possible okay uh, a lot of you are very subtle individuals so i give you all credit where credit is due but this has been you know a great time this has been uh probably an hour probably more than an hour so Let's wrap it here. You've been introduced to an American scheme. It's not going to be top line in the description for this episode. We're going to kind of keep it keep it on the low for now. Let's all keep watching this saga unfold together. Let me know personally what you think of his first few videos, especially that introduction video where he lays out the whole theory in detail. Again, follow me on Instagram, baked and underscore and awake baked underscore and underscore awake duh um, and uh because i do have a post about this an american scheme channel uh going back just a few days here where i first introduced it when i first found it so uh feel free to comment there or just comment here under this video that's um that's the episode uh go support the podcast i never ask for money i don't i don't do my patreon you know i don't make a big deal about it but, you know, I'm not affluent. Uh, we pay for this ourselves. Nobody asks us to do it. But, boy, it sure does put some wind underneath my wings when I get the very little bit of, you know, I get a couple of bucks every month from a couple of my longtime audience members and supporters who probably stay on, signed on, because they know they're the only two who are taking care of me <laughs> in the world and feel guilty uh, if they stop because they know I'd notice. Help those guys out, all right? If you don't want to help me out, help help out my two long-suffering podcast supporters. Um, visit my website, bakedandawake.com, and find the support tab. And I don't know, hook it up on a one-time or send me a buck a month or two bucks a month some somehow, some way by friends and family um, for doing the show, for trying not to just put out 
podcasts just for the sake of saying I put out a podcast and for not talking about the exact same shit that you already listened to on four other shows this week. I try really hard to talk about different matters and show you guys new things. And if you roll back in the catalog and in the archives of the podcast, I feel confident you'll find a lot of wonderful subject matter, much of which you won't have heard maybe anywhere else, or at least hardly anywhere else. You guys are awesome. I love you. I'm going to shut her right there. I'm going to go edit this into a real podcast for the podcast audience. And uh, it won't have the visuals that you guys just were able to stare at. A bunch of text on the screen. Yahoo. Hey, just trying. Just doing what I can here for you guys. Right. But uh, yeah. Check out American Scheme. Tell me what you think. And between now and then, you know I need you to just do what you always do. Smoke that indica and do shit anyway.